All right. Welcome to the On The Level Leadership Podcast, folks. This show, as you know, is all about helping you be the best leader you can be so you can grow in your career and to make the organization you work for the best ever. And, uh, you know, on this channel, if you've been following me, that I take a bit of a no bullshit approach to leadership and a real straight up the cuff. That's where the name On The Level comes from. And um, really want to talk about topics here that affect leaders and managers in organizations so that we can, again, make our lives a little bit better in the workplace. So today I'm taking on a topic that is really important and passionate to the invited guest today. I'm going to introduce you to him right now. Welcome to Ian from Grow Up Leadership. I want you to share yourself with the world here. Maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks, Tammy, for having me on. I'm excited, especially the uh, the idea that it's the no BS kind of podcast as well. So that's that's fun and makes it exciting because um, I prefer to, to not have too much BS either. Uh, so my name is Ian McLeod. Uh, I provide leadership training services to individuals and biz- businesses with a, a focus on fundamentals of performance management, uh, You know, really trying to leverage my 15 years management experience. I was at a no- large nonprofit organization, culmin- culminated into kind of senior roles with about mm-hmm. five large teams uh, reporting to me, which it's about 80 staff actually reporting up to me. Mm-hmm. I also have five years experience training um, and onboarding new leaders. So all of our new supervisors that came through, that was about five or 10 a year, um, as well as ongoing development for a large leadership team of about 30 to 40 uh, leaders at any given time. Um, you know, I was rather fortunate to work in an organization that valued leadership development and provided routine trainings. Um, so when I, when I started really trying to apply what I learned, um, it was just very inspiring to see how, you know, you can alter the trajectory of a struggling employee, build someone's confidence, develop future leaders, make a real difference by simply applying what I learned. So, um, uh, and I just kind of became a nerd of leadership development. Uh, Eventually, I started sharing some of my knowledge on YouTube during the pandemic, and things have kind of slowly progressed from there. Um, So certainly, you know, you can always check me out as far as my services at uh, www.gro-leaders-up.com. So that's where you can hit me up. I'm on LinkedIn, all that other stuff, too. Yeah, I put in your link tree down below, and I'll put it in the show notes as well, because... If you don't follow this guy on TikTok, man, like you got to go follow this guy on TikTok. So I, I like that. Uh, not just YouTube, not just YouTube, both, Thank you. both platforms. Yeah, because they're super entertaining, and um, I love the approach you take to you. bringing fun to leadership. It's it's pretty awesome. Humor is so important, um, and I think it's unfortunately an ingredient we don't we don't focus yeah. on enough. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So welcome. I, I'm so Thank excited you. to have you here today. Um, I always start with a really easy question to kind of break the ice and get us started. So one of the things I tried before we get into the passion topic here, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I just want to ask you one real quick generic question. How do you define leadership and what does that mean to you before we dig into our topic today? That is a, that's actually a tough question. Right. Um, You know, and what's so fascinating, I think it's such a great question because it's so fascinating when you think about leadership. Um, you know, it, it's a term, and I think this is part of the problem to, to this kind of larger issue that we see within the leadership kind of world, is that it's so generic and it's so generically placed. You can have, you could be a leader of, a, you know, a, a kid's baseball team, right? A coach, that kind of thing. Or you could be a leader of a, you know, as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you know, billion dollar company with thousands and thousands of employees. So, or hundreds of thousands of employees yeah. even, right? So like 
the the concept of leadership is so broad. Yeah. There's um so I will say it's probably difficult uh, to I think um and I've and I've really tried to think on this a bit more and um it's interesting there was Forbes magazine um uh, I came out with an article recently and it was talking about like the the number one thing ingredient that you need to when you're looking for what would make kind of a great manager a great leader and they said integrity um mm. uh, and I I. I don't disagree with that, but I think the problem is sometimes we throw in all these integrity, trust, mm -hmm. you know, accountability, all these different things, work ethic. Um, I, I think the two things that you need, the two most important ingredients that you need uh, to make a great leader, and mm -hmm. I'm not really answering your question uh, exactly, <laughs> so I do apologize, okay. but um, but again, it, it's we, we could probably spend an hour talking about it. Yeah. Um, the two important things that I think you need really are one, you have to like people. You really have to like people because that's your job is, is working with people, right? It's figuring right. out how people tick and how people work and influencing behaviors uh, and that kind of thing. And then also I think the other really important component is seeing the, the potential or the potential to, to develop, right? Yeah. So not only in yourself, but in others. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're trying to foster is that, growth and that development you're setting these goals for your organization for your for your team for your individuals uh and and you need to make sure that you believe in their potential that you you as an organization can reach that goal you as a team can reach that goal your individual team members can reach that goal so i think those yeah. are probably the two important components um to making a great leader i love that i have a we have a saying in our in our little company that um you know really um leadership is relational, not positional. And it's really about those relationships and growing relationships with others that you actually gain the respect and the trust from others to be the leader because people won't follow you if they don't have those elements. So thanks. That's a fantastic, uh, really great way of answering that. Cause you're right. It's a complex question. It is, it's, it's not a, simple. It, yeah. yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, and I think that's the thing is that it is, there's not a, one of the problems I continue mm -hmm. to see even in my work is that people are looking for this kind of magic bullet, this, mm -hmm. this one thing that if I do this one thing, that'll just pull everything together. Um, and, and it's complex. Like you said, it, it, there's so much complexity to it and there's so many different aspects that you need. Um, of course, relationships are, are so important and that's really integral and, and, and how you develop those relationships comes from different, different techniques in itself. So. So yeah. that. that's awesome. Uh, perhaps as the invited guest, I'll have you, usually I introduce the topic, but I think because this is such a passion area for you, maybe you can just sort of walk us through what we want to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I will say um, it is a passion uh, or and a, certainly an interest, but I am not an expert. And really right. I think what we were going to talk about today um, is diversity, equity, inclusion, the DEI kind of things. But I think taking a different approach to it and really trying to examine it in terms of in the workplace, in leadership and how, how it's valuable and also the challenges with it. Yeah. Um, but certainly I am not an expert in it. Um, this is not, you know, really my focus oftentimes in, in leadership training is more performance management. So that's, you know, setting expectations, mm -hmm. um, transparent evaluations, delivering effective feedback. That's really my kind of wheelhouse. Um, uh, some coaching elements as well. I know you're obviously a, a yeah. you know a 
professional at the at, at the, the coaching aspect. So, um, but I think within all of that, certainly mm-hmm. there's this idea of the importance of diversity right. and embracing that in whatever level, right? I think it's really infused throughout. Um, and if you're, I mean, not only just as a leader, but just if you're functioning in society, there's an aspect of you're going to be interacting with diverse mm-hmm. people and communities and groups and what's the value in that. So, um, and I think you and I both, we've talked about this in, in different ways uh, on our uh, perspective channels and, and uh, mm-hmm. platforms. And so I thought it would be cool for us to get together and chat yeah. about it. And I think it's, it's interesting too, just given our, our, I mean, even our diverse geographical differences, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just you coming from Canada and, and, mm-hmm. and, but there's also some overlap in me coming from Texas, United States, uh, Texas, uh, you know, being kind of close to Mexico and all of that. Right. Too. So, um, so I, I think it'll be fun, fun conversation. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's, um, this is just my personal experience, but I feel it's super important. Um, it's pretty obvious I'm, I'm, you know, uh, white obviously. And so it's really important as, as someone who comes from this background, I'm a colonial colonist, if you will, my Mm -hmm. generations have come to Canada since the 1600s. So I hate to admit it, but my family was a part of the problem back in the day, if you want to put it that way. (laughs) So from my perspective, I feel sort of a responsibility and an importance that we have to honor and respect that we sometimes come from a place of privilege and it's important for us to speak and on this topic and not be afraid to speak on this topic because it's super important, especially today. So from your perspective, like I, I know that growing up, I was surrounded by people that had various biases and so on. And, and I don't want to go too far down that path, but I'm just curious about how that affects us as leaders. And then how do we promote diversity sort of in our workplace? Because there's benefits, which we can also talk about around this. So I want to get your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's an interesting concept, um, really, when you're thinking about your perspective and where you are. And that's really what all this is, right? Everybody's going to have their own unique perspective, mm-hmm. influenced by all of the different things that that make us up, right? Whether yeah. it be, you know, our gender, our race, or geographical location, right. um, you know, all kinds of our sexuality, whatever it may be, right? All these things are influencing us. And our decision making and our thought process, um, and that of course just just create. We all have biases. I mean, that's just the reality in some form or fashion, whether they at least be confirmation bias of trying to confirm right. what what uh, what we think, or unfortunately, I mean, some people hold really strong biases about they believe in some fashion that they or or this group is somehow superior or better yeah. to somebody else, but. Beyond that, I think that the the component that I'm more curious about or more interested in or or where I think we should really be going, um, because those biases are hard to get past, I think instead the conversation should really shift to there's incredible value to having a diverse group, a diverse workforce, um, a diverse society, whatever. And the reality is our our society, our civilizations are diverse. And mm-hmm. I think that there's so much value to just embracing that or seeing what these different diverse groups bring to the mm-hmm. table. The The problem oftentimes is when you have homogenous kind of thinking where everybody's the same, everybody's yeah. thinking the same. Um, you, you just don't have the innovation. You don't have the, the, the new ideas. Um, 
the new solutions or the new perspectives that yeah. you need to really innovate. And the companies that are embracing that and have embraced that, I mean, they're the ones who are successful, right? Yeah. Um, so there's so much research to show that having diversity um, is lends itself greatly to innovation and, and new ideas. And so that's, to me, the value of it. It's not it's not even about fairness. It's just yeah. about what's the value. And there's so much value to, to having a diverse workforce. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree with that. And one of the things when I did my MA, we did a bit of a session on this and talked about the importance of diversity. And diversity is not just color. I think a lot of people think when they think yeah. diversity, they think color or even gender. Right. Right. It goes broader than that. It's socioeconomic status. It's the worker bee versus the CEO. Mm-hmm. It's all of those things, right? All those dimensions. And we talked a lot about the importance of diversity from the perspective of opinion. So the, the example that was cited, at least in class, was there was a, a story about Steve Jobs. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. the story, but he was in a boardroom one day and a guy was coming in, sweeping the floor. And they were talking about this design issue they were having, this idea they were having. And the guy was just like sweeping, not kind of minding his business. And Steve just stopped the room and he said to the guy, the janitor, he said, hey, do you have any thoughts on this? I'm just curious. And the guy's like, no, I'm just a janitor. I don't know anything. He's like, no, no, I'm serious. Like you, you've been listening for the last 10 minutes. What do you think? And actually solicited the guy's information. Now, whether they followed that or not, I don't know the the end of the story. But the point being is that he was willing to take the input of the janitor who was listening in on the conversation because he would have a diverse opinion about the utility of the product they were talking about Mm -hmm. as an end user. So I think that's really interesting because as leaders, isn't it our responsibility to pull in the voices of all these to eliminate and destroy all those echo chambers? that we hear about. I know in the C-suite, having been, being an executive myself and having, and coaching executives is that they often don't want to hear no, and they don't want to hear why they can't do things. They just want to hear solutions. The problem is you get an echo chamber and then you don't, like you said, you don't get the innovation. So that's an interesting point as far as benefits. Um, Well, and I think, you know, to that, uh, it's so interesting you brought that up because when we were thinking of talking about this topic, one of the things that uh, had something that, that came to mind recently that's, uh, you know, kind of a new thing out. But mm-hmm. before I get to that, uh, the idea of of solutions, you know, uh, um, uh, Einstein famously said, you know, if I had an hour to work on a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes working on the the thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. And I think what happens oftentimes is in those echo chambers, in those homogenous kind of thinking groups, they they quickly go to a solution and then they try to, again, confirmation bias, mm-hmm. they're trying to get all the reasons to support that yeah. that solution. And that's, that's actually the opposite of like scientific thinking, right? The yep. idea is you come up with an idea and you're trying to disprove it or prove that to be false. Um, and so I think that's part of the problem is that people don't spend enough time thinking about the problem and they don't gather enough diverse thoughts on yeah. why this problem exists and how do you solve for that? The, the fascinating thing, that story about Steve Jobs, it, it falls right in line because there's this new, uh, new movie flaming hot on oh. Disney plus. Um, okay. and I think it's on Hulu and it's a story. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, yet. So it's on Disney plus and, and Hulu or, or prime or something, something else, but it's a story about, the person who was a, a janitor, but he did a lot of other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and his story at working at Frito-Lay with Cheetos and, and he was Hispanic, of course, and he was 
trying, he basically invented the, the flaming hot Cheeto, right. um, which I don't know, you know, if that's a, a thing up, up there in, in, uh, uh, okay. Um, but certainly it's a huge thing down in here in Texas. And I remember even as that kind of continued to develop, but you know, it's a whole, whole movie about that. And really it's just an excellent example of diverse thoughts and, and benefits and, and, you know, how that leads to innovative ideas that mm -hmm. they really targeted a relatively untapped market. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it's fascinating to me that, you know, these examples exist and that's really what I'm talking about when I'm saying yeah. there's value in, in diversity. Yeah, Doritos has the same story, right? It was developed at Disneyland, same concept. They had these chips they didn't know what to do with. So what they do? They tossed it in some spice mix they had for their tacos or what have you. And voila, Doritos were born. So, so, so you yeah. know, so Doritos are from Disneyland, essentially. So because of innovation and thought outside the right. box. So that's awesome. What are some of the challenges from your perspective, though, on, on enhancing or allowing diversity to really have a voice? So, you know, I, I think um, I think there is to your your kind of point even that there's this when we when people talk about think about diversity um they typically only think about maybe just gender they yeah. maybe think about just color or race or what have you that yeah. kind of thing and they get kind of stuck up on that where they're just kind of not even thinking beyond again how there's all these different groups out there with all these different ideas mm -hmm. um what happens oftentimes, and unfortunately, because this has been, you know, an ongoing debate, um, there's a lot of policy, mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of ideas that that get implemented that, in a sense, are kind of a simple solution to a really complex problem, right? right. So then you have these policies that are like, you know, a affirmative action, yeah. um, you know, we, this feeling like, well, we have to hire a certain amount of people of color or right. women or that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it, I think what happens, unfortunately, is that thinking, then mm -hmm. it, it fuels the, the debate a different way, instead of actually making it where it's more about, again, the value and getting every, everybody to understand that there's so much value in having diverse thought. So I think that's, and I don't, I don't necessarily have a, 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 mm -hmm. a simple solution to that. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's part of the challenge as well. And then I think it's just really, again, I, I don't have a good answer, but I think getting people to understand or know that, that there's so much value in a diverse thought, right? I yeah. mean, even just, even just reminding people of all the, all the inventions that were created by women or black people. I mean, you think about mm -hmm. inventions by, um, and I did a little research here, but yeah. inventions by women, fire escapes, circular saws, medical yeah. syringes, car heaters, life rafts, computer algorithms, uh, aquariums, coffee filters, electric refrigerator, computer software, Kevlar, bulletproof fiber. Those are all inventions by women, plus yeah. probably a thousand other inventions, inventions by black people, gas masks, potato chips, who doesn't love potato chips? Yeah, right. Three light uh, traffic lights, refrigerated yeah. trucks, uh, colored PC monitors, a super soaker, peanut butter, golf shirts, clothes dryers, lawnmowers, <laughs> modern toilets, um, ra uh, radiation detectors, printing press. We're all demented by black people, right? So there's yeah. so much value in, in other people being involved in this. Um, and I think the, the challenge is, is just getting people to understand it and value that. It's interesting because in, in uh, I think we sort of shared pre previous to this call, but um, in Canada, at least when I worked with the government of Canada, we did have affirmative action, but it was language based. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, there's some there's some diversity and inclusion pieces around color and around like race, religion, whatever, you know, how you self-identify as a woman or if you self-identify as indigenous, et cetera. But what's interesting is the the notion of language because the Official Languages Act that came into play, I would say late 70s, early 80s by Prime Minister Trudeau Sr. at the time, um, it was interesting because he brought it in for good reason. It's because there wasn't the ability to communicate if somebody French called somebody in government, they couldn't actually find somebody to speak French to them in their language of choice. And so the Official Languages Act sort of protected the French culture in a way and, and ensured that there was capacity to respond to these individuals as clients to the government. The problem is, <clears throat> is you know, 40 years later or 50 years later, the problem is, is that well, I guess it's 40 years, is that what we're seeing is a little bit of a, an issue where folks are selected based on language and the question of competency is not as great in some cases. And what you end up with is a lot of toxic leaders who can speak French. And so the problem then is the question is, does this, is this setting us up as an organization for failure? Because we're not choosing the best of the best. We're choosing the best of the French. And that's a bias thing, perhaps. But it's my question around that is, it had a good purpose. There was a reason for it and it needed to be in place. But now I have to wonder, is it still effective? Is it still something that represents Canadian population? I'm not sure it does. So it's sort of that, that challenge of ensuring there's access to people who can speak the language and who can support those that can't speak English, for example, because believe it or not, there are people in Canada who do not speak English. And then, you know, how do you support that? It's really challenging. Um, at the same time, I have a question for you is around the confirmation bias piece is when we do affirmative action, if we appoint people because we have a target and they're not fully prepped or ready for that role yet, they have the competencies, but maybe they're not fully ready for it yet. What my concern is, is that we put them in positions due to some color, some you know other identifier. And my fear is that they fail and then it just confirms the bias that women can't lead. See, black people can't get organized or whatever the person's bias is in their head. Right. And I worry that it confirms that bias if they're not set up for success. So I want to give your, get your thoughts on this is like, if we're going to promote diversity and inclusion, we need to make sure as leaders that we're really building our people up so that when they are promoted, that they're, it's done based on competency, not just on a target of reaching a certain target. Because I'm a big believer in ensuring people are successful, no matter what we promote them to. And I don't care what creed or color or belief you come from. I really don't care if you're part of the queer community or what have you. I don't care. My point is you need to be able to grow and be in that role and be successful so that you're not confirming the bias of some other a-hole somewhere in the organization. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on that because I have some pretty strong beliefs around that, as you can tell. Yeah, no, and I think... I think you're spot on. And I mean, I think this is, unfortunately, this is also the argument that's made right. against things like affirmative action and, and that kind of thing. Uh, because again, unfortunately, that was a policy that was created to kind of force um, yeah. us to move in this whatever direction it, it, it was to, you know, add this amount of people of this or this amount of people of that. And again, it it didn't, it didn't look at or didn't encourage the value and in the importance of having this diverse group at your organization, at your company, that kind of thing too. Right. Um, and it didn't organically let that happen. And I think that's, that's part of the problem is that 
um, it is it is unfortunately becoming the argument, and I think unfortunately people do absolutely um, when somebody is failing and and they are of this different background than, than themselves then they assume that that just is going to confirm whatever bias they had. And it's really unfortunate that that's, that's going on. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. I think the point is, is that we should be valuing it at the beginning. And I, I think to your point, really ensuring and kind of what I was talking about earlier, seeing the potential in people and making sure to develop those folks to that potential. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I just want to say though, as a yeah. gender, as a female, who identifies as a he, she, not, not in it, is that what I found in my roles and in the research actually supports this is that many times when executives, women executives are appointed to positions, it's often on files that are failing anyways, because they don't want their male leaders to look like failures. So they put the women in charge to clean up the mess. And of course they fail. So that's actually, there's evidence on this, by the way, there's, there's like research, do some research. It's there. Yeah. Google scholar it. You'll find it that women often are put in positions that are already failing. I'm and I went to, a, I went to a conference recently, a conference of physicians and surgeons and the female surgeon was speaking about how bias happens in medicine and how the choice uh, surgeries were going to the male physicians and not to the female physicians. And so they would get the chronically ill garbagey, low dollar, I might add for, this is an American doctor, low dollar stuff. Whereas the men were getting the really fancy big wig surgeries that paid six figures. And so they were, she was identifying this as an issue. And every female doctor in the room was like, yep, yep. Been there, been there, been there. So I know why we have these initiatives in place. Yeah. Right. But then how do we as leaders make sure that we're stepping into this so that we can encourage it? Right. And that's sort of the big question for me as a leader is how do I encourage it and ensure that we're promoting people for the right reasons, but also to demonstrate that sort of diversity of thought that we we want in our organization. Right. And, you know, again, I don't have the I don't have the best answer, but I think it's worth diving deeper into the problem. What Mm -hmm. is the what is the real problem there? The problem is, is that these biases exist. Why do they exist? And going about it where you're just kind of forcing something to happen is not, is obviously still causing challenges. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's allowed for, for, you know, people to, of diverse backgrounds and, and whatnot to, to be in place in positions and to mm-hmm. demonstrate, you know, exceptional work and that they can excel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fascinating as well. I'm sure that also those women who were placed in in a position where they <laughs> there was something that was basically failing or set up to yep. fail, if they were able to succeed, then they were able to show how well they could overcome. Right. Right. Um, uh, and, of, you know, on the flip side, there are plenty of, of male CEOs or male leaders who have messed up things and failed uh, phenomenally. So, um, yeah, but they don't get judged the same. That's, <laughs> and that, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and that's and that's I think that that's part yeah. of the challenge. And, and I think the thing is, is why does that exist, and how how do we change that? Besides just forcing it, is there a different right. way? And, I, and again, I really think where you can overcome this. Again, I don't have a simple solution to that, but it's it's ensuring that people understand that there is so much value to having a diverse workforce. Um, And if you just give those people a seat at the table, you know, that, that, that that's where it starts. Right. And that's where some of the affirmative action has happened and helped possibly, but 
Um, and I hate to keep referring to affirmative action as this, this thing. Right? This like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the other things too, that, that we really need to look at is how do we define success? Right. Right. I, I think success has largely been defined by the, the groups that kind of held the keys to everything, you know, and, and yeah. kind of made all the decisions. Um, one of the challenges I've seen personally when I was, you know, in in a leadership position and we were looking to promote other people, right? And oftentimes I would run into this where um, there would be somebody who would be, you know, I would see great potential in a, a, a black female, right? African-American female who's doing a great job, got great ideas, uh, that kind of thing. They communicate differently. They talk differently. They interact somewhat differently. Doesn't mean this is right or wrong, but when they interact with their their female white colleagues, they respond. Those white colleagues sometimes have responded in a way of, oh, that you know this. I, we don't communicate well, or I, I don't. I, I just don't understand them. And mm. oftentimes, what I see is that leaders are looking for, and you kind of said this, that you know, at the the top, leaders are looking for you know, the, the simplest answer, you know, yeah. they're trying to move, they're trying to go and they don't have the mental capacity or the time to, mm -hmm. to really, um, an effort to put into trying to understand how this person communicates. So they are looking for somebody oftentimes who communicates exactly like them, who basically does everything exactly like them. So they can just move forward with all the tasks. Mm -hmm. I think that becomes, that speaks to kind of a larger problem I see in general with, how we even promote leaders. Like what are the leaders that we even put in yeah. positions? And oftentimes I see uh, a lot of the people who move up or the ones who are very task oriented. They're great. They get shit done, right? They get a lot of stuff done, but do they possess some of these other things that, um, that is important to leadership? Yeah. Um, you know, do they kind of um, uh, have great retention? Do they have, you know, great rapport with their, their staff? those kind of things are, are maybe lacking um, sometimes. And then that becomes something where the, those people are in power. And unfortunately they are, are impacting the decisions that are made of, of who comes up with them. Yeah. It's funny because I have uh, come from a public health background. So I kind of look at this systemically and I think to myself, um, I think there's a bigger way to, it, we manage this in childhood. I'll put it this way. We all know that, we as as melanin deficient folks, we are we are we have an advantage. We have a position of advantage. Let's just be let's just call it a spade a spade. Yeah. The reality is is that access to education, for example, at a very young age, access to the types of education, and this happens in Canada too, by the way. Our indigenous folks here in Canada are, suffer the same fate, where their educational systems may not be um, uh, set up to help them succeed in the society that we live in. And the, the problem is, and I'm not suggesting that everybody conform to some white notion. I'm suggesting that we expand the notion of, of, of education to be broader and to yeah. include more culture and diversity at the very youth age. And, but the thing I, I challenged my, I'm challenged by is, is humans by nature are, are very, we're very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're very, um, band centric or group centric we tend to adhere to folks that look and sound the same as us regardless of color creed whatever we tend to do that we tend to congregate in those groups and so it kind of shuts out the rest but i i would love to see a well, vision for me 
in the world at large, if I had to say, you know, if I could snap my fingers, like, you know, in, in a, the Avengers game and game and just like make the world change, it would be that everybody sort of sees each other as humans and sees through all the other bullshit. You know, yeah. we don't see the color. We don't see the religion. We don't see the hijab. We don't see the rainbow colors. We don't see any of that. All we see is a human being that wants to learn, that wants to grow, that wants to succeed. Right. Like yeah. my big vision for the world at large, if I had to snap my fingers. But I sort of feel from a public health perspective, it starts there. But in our organizations, I think the challenge is now everybody's kind of been grown and their biases have been established and you're just trying to like <clears throat> manage through that. It's so tough. Such a big subject. <laughs> to it, I mean, it's it's huge. It's complex. I think it's it's because of the shrinking of the world, right? Um, mm -hmm. Now, where we are able to communicate and connect. I mean, you and I are having this meeting right now. Who would have thought that that you and I would have ever met? And never, uh, no. you know, twenty years ago, I never would have thought that I would no. have been on a podcast with, uh, you know, somebody from Canada. So right. um, uh, the fact that that. that <clears throat> the connections and the availability of varying perspectives and diverse mm -hmm. groups are able to connect on a, a whole new scale now, I think is, is, is moving us in the right direction to your point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I know it's cliche, but you know, we're all part of the human race, right. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and really, I think that's the interesting thing is that the reality and science shows that there's not like, one group is somehow better than the other in any way, right? We're all, we have, we have in every single group, you have smart people and you have dumb people, every group. I mean, every group is just the reality. Yeah. And there, so there's smart people in every group Yeah. and we can, we can leverage them and we can utilize them and we should be, um, and we should be connecting more. And again, seeing that value and, and that I think is where we, where we should be trying to go. There's, um, there's a, a, a book that I love by Adam Grant. Um, you know, he's an organizational psychologist. It's called Think Again. Right. And um, it's basically, I mean, really, it's a lot of research uh, specifically about the importance of rethinking, you know, whatever we've, whatever we're, we're, we're kind of our process or our way of doing things, um, you know, and, and he's done a ton of research to show or find mm -hmm. out or, or, um, uncover that the success that leaders have, the success that people have, the success that organizations have oftentimes hinges on the ability to rethink whatever mm -hmm. you're doing, get past that homogenous thinking yeah. um, and, and reevaluate. So even having, you know, whether you are having the guy who's sleeping next to you, asking him, Hey, what do you think? Right. Um, you know, or whatever it may be, but bringing those different thoughts in, again, shows that those people are the ones who would innovate and come up with the new ideas and the new new solutions. And I, f I feel like even that's the thing. I mean, even to your questions, like, how do we get there? We need a diverse group, yeah. not just you and I, right? But yeah. we need we need more <laughs> of us to come together and people from all different different groups, yeah. um, you know, and 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 even different biases, different different thoughts um, to, yeah. to come together and overcome that. It's an interesting topic that I know for me as a leader, one of the things I, if somebody were to say, what can I do in my organization? And I'm going to have you answer the question in a minute. But for me, when I was a lead for the national stockpile and I was leading a bunch of blue collar guys in a warehouse setting, and I was like the first woman in 50 years to lead that organization. What was interesting is the first thing I did was an assessment of their culture. 
and figured out how I can translate because it's a form of translation. How can I translate what senior leadership wants to this blue collar community? And again, it's not about dumbing down. I hate that phrase. It's more about how do I translate the strategic objectives that senior management wants us to accomplish to the tactical stuff that they're doing in the warehouse. And that takes time. It takes the ability to listen. It takes the ability to hear what people are saying and to start taking action with them so that they start to grow trust in you as a leader and you test and risk and delegate and do all these things. So it's all about leading the way, walking the talk, establishing trust, challenging the process. It's all the Lacuses and Posner. The Leadership Challenge is my favorite book. That's my Mm go-to. And it's those five principles, right? Embracing the heart, encouraging, you know, sharing a vision, all of that stuff. And so I think from a leadership perspective, if we're going to have some tangible takeaways for the people watching this today, it's from my perspective, at least, it's making sure that you really espouse within your span of control. And it could just be your little damn team that you have, but within the span of your control, what leadership principles can you start implementing today that would have a massive impact and will, in, in essence, include diversity and inclusion because you're going to be bringing in different thoughts from other people. So any, any thoughts on that in terms of how you, what you'd add to that? Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea of really understanding the culture. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. I mean, the reality is, is whatever groups you have, there's a culture within it. Right. right? So there's a culture at your, at your company. There's probably a culture within your team. Right. Um, and whatever those may be and however, whatever the makeup they are. And I think that's oftentimes the biggest challenge to, to why people are not accepting again, because if you are in part of a different culture and you communicate in a certain way and interact in a certain way, right. um, and there's tons of research, even psycho- psychology kind of research to show this, that like, it's not, you know, when these two different groups, like I think they, you know, did the different things where you took somebody from California and somebody from New York and the way they communicate, it's just different, right? Yeah. Like, and how they, how they interact and both, if you put them together and they try to communicate, both end up getting offended by each other simply because they, they don't they communicate differently, yeah. right? And they and they're seeing it from their own perspective. So yeah. once you understand that people communicate, interact differently, then you can start to actually get to a point where you can communicate, and oftentimes you'll be on the same page. Um, and then that's when you can again start finding that value in, in in new ideas and coming up with with new solutions. An an added um, as you're acting asking about you know what would I add to that? Mm-hmm. I think. In thinking of value as well, um, I'm a huge proponent of strength-based leadership. So there's Strength Finders um, and all of those different series of books from Gallup. Um, And the idea is basically that everybody has their own kind of strengths, that kind of thing. Um, As a leader, it's really helpful to focus on understanding, identifying, and nurturing people's strengths and you're going to get way more, way more value again, way more, you know, way more out of focusing on those strengths versus spending all your time trying to, um, you know, fill in gaps and, and bring people up to whatever their, their opportunities are. Um, and, but what that does is when you identify the different strengths within your team, each one can really be valued for that different mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then, then again, when people feel valued, they want to contribute. They yeah. feel trusted. You know, they feel like they there's trust there now. So creating that kind of reliable trust um, based uh, 
value-based kind of uh, environment, I think is so helpful to, again, get to the point where you can really embrace diversity. 100%. Or, 100%. Yeah. So I, we could talk about this all day, but I think yes. I think given that we're already running on forty minutes, I think we'll have to call it. But I I I love this as a begin. I hope this is the beginning of many conversations like this because, yeah. um, and we can even invite others into the into the mix someday and have like a bit of a panel discussion on this I because I think that. that would be really interesting. Yeah. Because I think the idea of diversity and inclusion, I think what I say this as a white person because I know that I'm. I'm saying it because it's an obvious thing that I have to point out is that we are often afraid to talk about this because we are worried that we're going to say the wrong thing. But I think the most important thing is to not be afraid to approach the issue of diversity and inclusion, but rather be open to it. So I appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with me today, because I think this is an important convo that we all have to have as a community, um, especially in North America. I know it's everywhere, but let's be honest, politics is a problem right now in both countries. And I think that this is something that we are having to deal with on the front lines of our jobs. Let's be frank. So, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I think again, bringing in diverse ideas to this conversation itself would be helpful, but to your point, it is so important to, for us to at least be talking about it. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do is just not talk about it and turn your back and yeah. hope somebody else fixes it. So yeah, exactly. um, yeah I, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. I love your channel and all that you talk about, Tammy. So thanks for having me on. No problem. And folks, so just want to thank you for being here today, uh, for being with On The Level Leadership. Remember that if you uh, like this content, make sure you like and subscribe or follow on this podcast. And uh, I'll have all of the links down below to uh, Ian's or in the description to Ian's information. And please go visit him on YouTube and TikTok. Thanks again for being here today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Take Tammy. Take care. Till next time. Thanks.